it's time to talk about some realities in music licensing. There is a perception out there, I know, that this channel is mainly focused on music licensing. And yeah, we do talk a lot about sync licensing, production music, royalty-free music, uh, stock music, uh, other kinds of licensing and things like that. I released a video a few days ago, I don't know if you saw it, it was about neighboring rights, which is another sometimes unknown or misunderstood royalty stream that pays people, especially people who license music to TV and film. I have an interview coming with the man, the myth, and the stock music licensing legend, Daniel Carrizales, coming soon on this channel. And I even have a debate coming up very soon about uh, music libraries versus sync agents and going direct to music supervisors and things like that. Might just be a full-on three to 10 round fight, I'm not sure, but that's going to be really interesting. But that being said, about all of that kind of stuff about licensing, this channel still talks about lots of different things. I've got tons of videos coming out about things that, guess what, we've really never talked about on this channel before. I've got a video coming about about a guy who uh, makes six figures with music performances and things like that. And we've got artist things coming up. We've got all sorts of things. But music licensing is a topic that I talk about because I do it. I came up with this last night. I don't really like to think of myself as a guru. I think there are two types of people. There are gurus and hoodoos. And a guru is a guy who just talks about a thing and tries to be the guy in that space or maybe is a guy that's the authority in that space. But a hoodoo is someone who already does the thing. And really all I do is talk about what I do and my results on the things that all of you want to do or many of you would like to know how to make certain music incomes. And this is certainly something we talk about on this channel, music licensing. So yeah, we're gonna talk about music licensing. It's part of my long-term plan for passive music income through royalties forever, right? I mean, this is a long-term retirement plan for me, which uh, may not be as far away as for some of you, but anyway. So today, I want to talk with optimism, but also caution about what you can expect from music licensing of any kind. We're going to talk about all kinds of music licensing, especially the main two. Um, and I like to say, it's not a job, it's an adventure, uh, as they used to say. And so I've heard some amazing numbers, which I'm going to talk about today. And then I've heard reports of people who have no luck with music licensing at all. And uh, I get it. It's hard. I live it. I know. So today, we are going to talk about the realities, both good and bad, about music licensing. So, buck up, kiddos. Well, welcome to episode 81 
That's right. Episode 81 of the Make Music Income podcast. Lots of people in the house today. Bradford, thanks for being here. Uh, Ilknor, I hope I'm saying that right. Thanks for being here. Love 3, Luca is in the house. Um, Zombie, Harambi, love that name. Let's rock. Oliver Garcia and Signature Music. Thanks, everybody, for being in the house. ISO is in the house. Good to have all of you guys in here today. Guys and peeps, I should just say peeps, right? I should just say folks, thanks for being here. And today, we're going to talk about the hard and easy and everywhere in between realities of music licensing. Um, I know that this is a podcast where we talk about all sorts of things. We talk about artists who make six figures doing music you would not imagine. We talk about income from schools. We talk about all sorts of music incomes like we did the other day about neighboring rights. And so this is all the kind of stuff we talk about on the channel. But yes, we talk about music licensing because I am active in it. I started this channel to discuss what music incomes I was seeing and what I was the differences, things that were happening to me that weren't happening to other people. And so um, Ronan says, your your intro sounds like an adventure. Good morning. It is an adventure. It's not just a job. It's an adventure. So yeah, it is certainly an adventure. Well, if you are new here, and uh, I, I don't know if you are, but if you are just finding this podcast for the first time, you stumbled onto it, wanted to know about music licensing, my name is Eric Copeland. If you are not new here, my name is still Eric Copeland, and I literally have made hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars um, over the course of my career doing all sorts of music income things. That's why this channel is called Make Music Income. And uh, I've made income as a composer and still do, a producer and still do, an artist and still do, a songwriter, background singer, music consultant, music teacher, church music director, and yes, including music licensing. It's become a part of my income streams over the past few years. Hey, Mr. Dave Croft of 52Q's Morning, sir. Thanks for joining us today. I look forward to my drive over to work today because I will be streaming Mr. Uh, 52Q's all the way over uh, as I drive the harrowing drive over to where I teach every day. But thanks for being here, Dave. Thanks for being part of this. You are a man who uh, can, can certainly add to the conversation here about what we're going to talk about today. Um, I've made my living mostly outside the walls of the industry. I think most, a lot of us have. You know, it's not the in music industry it was in the 80s and 90s. And from 2000 on, it's been a, um, a different kind of game out here. Everybody can pretty much do this from their home. I've supported my family for 22 years. Uh, only from music things. And so uh, you probably are the same way. You, you're, you're not signed to a label. If you're signed to a publishing deal, it's probably through a library like me or something like that. So that's what this channel is about. And that's what this podcast is about. In today's show, we are going to try and unpack the amazingly good, mediocrely fine, and terribly bad parts of music licensing in all its forms. This is a video Dave 
Uh, I, I'm not really stealing it, but uh, Dave did something similar, I think, last year on your channel, didn't you? About um, the um, the I can't remember what the tell me what the name of it. It was it was a very funny name, but um, this is just something that I've had a um, on my mind lately as I had a very mediocre result uh, in the last BMI chat, uh, last BMI uh, dispersal. And uh, it, can, it can really kind of get you down when you're not really getting onto things. So let me remind you, if you can, to leave a, a comment. If you have a specific question, I'll be getting to those between in the cracks as we go. And just make a cue with a colon and then put your question, and that helps for me to uh, to see that you actually have a question other than just chatting uh, to each other and things like that, which is great. Uh, have a good time, folks. Uh, glad you're all here. All right, well, let's get now into my week. Uh, just a quick recap of what's been going on here as a full-time music person um, on the daily. You know, all I do is wake up at 8 or so in the morning, I know that's uh, mid-morning or almost afternoon for Dave, but for me, <laughs> 8 o'clock is pretty early since I don't get to bed till 1 uh, most nights. So um, I worked on a neighboring rights video, uh, shot it a few weeks ago, and uh, had a good conversation with someone who is part of a neighboring rights collection um, company. And uh, we really worked hard to define neighboring rights, really define what they are. And so I finally got that edited. There was a quite a bit of editing to do in it just to, because, you know, you're trying to get videos to a length where it was still 27 minutes. Sorry. But uh, hey, you're watching this and this is going to be probably an hour. But um, as you know, uh, I am not um, someone who uh, cares about that kind of thing. I, I, the content is what it is, and especially these lives where I'm going to be answering questions and, um, and, and doing some news items and viewer mail and things like that. Um, I don't care. But Neighboring Rights video is out. Uh, I finished and delivered an album, a little EP of Jimmy Buffett songs to a library who had requested it. So that is done. Put to bed, that's good, because I have two other albums that I'm halfway done with that I've got to finish for one, uh, two different libraries. And so I can begin to think about other things and move on to other uh, pieces of music that I want to get to. Um, we had a great time in our Composer's Mastermind on Wednesday. And by the way, if you are interested, um, I, someone just emailed me the other day that they were interested in getting into the mastermind. I said, well, it's kind of closed, but if you'd like to hang with us for six weeks, feel free to email me at makemusicincome.com uh, or, or just email me at makemusicincome at gmail.com. And uh, we'll talk about how to get you in. We're having a great time. Uh, really uh, had a great week this week with some some songs that were probably the best from a couple of the, the composers in there. And so that's so great to be able to speak into people's stuff and to show off your own stuff to other people and get some private feedback from other composers who are in the same place you are. Um, and I finally kind of got started on my first course this week. I'm trying to get a course put together um, and uh, I, will, I will have that out soon and hopefully that will be something that is interesting to people. Well, uh, let's see, don't, let me see what's 
people are saying here in the chat. Um, Arco says, hello, am I late? I was in a journey preparing for UK departure on 15th of September. Well, we're all praying for you there, man. Hope, uh, hope that all goes well in your travels to the UK. Arco, can't wait to hear how that whole story goes. Uh, Ronan says, yeah, my BMI was also a little down, but the attitude is very up, still very up. Well, good. Uh, we're going to talk about that today. That's basically what we're kind of talking about today. All right. Well, folks, it is that time. And I think you know what I'm talking about. It is time for the news. That's right. Friday, August 25th, 11.15 p.m. or 11.15 a.m. And it's time for the news. So the first thing in the news today is, uh, I heard this earlier this week, and it, actually this happened on my birthday. AI, it was ruled, cannot hold copyright. This is a federal judge ruling. They found uh, Judge Beryl A. Howell of the U.S. District Court found that the U.S. Copyright Office was correct in denying copyright protections to a work that was created entirely without human involvement. So uh, this is where we are with this. Um, we're moving towards, hopefully, some, some kind of protection against uh, programs that just crank out music and then I, I, I don't even know who the copyright owner is. They're trying very hard to, to get this whole AI thing straightened out. And this is just the first salvo. We're going to see lots and lots of rulings like this. There's already been uh, some very interesting court battles. And uh, there's a really interesting one with Marsha Blackburn uh, uh, talking to the guy who uh, created ChatGPT. And uh, really people who are really looking out for songwriters, especially people in Tennessee, Nashville, who are looking out for the song industry. So we're going to see more and more of this kind of thing where AI uh, is is handled in the courts. And um, so there's still lots of questions, though, even with that article about this. So we'll talk more about that. Any, If you've got any thoughts about that, we'd love to hear them. Um, did you know that we have things for free? We do, in fact, have things for free. Free stuff just for you. Um, I have my free ebook, 50 Ways to Make Music Income, in there. I talk a lot about music licensing, which we're going to talk about today. We also have How to Upload Your Music to Pond5, which uh, is is not something we're going to, we're not going to really stress about a stock music library like Pond5, but we will be talking uh, about the ups and downs of that kind of licensing as well. Um, I'm still struggling with what to call license these two different areas of licensing. But anyway, you can get a free course there. There's other free eBooks and papers and things like that. So that's what we have. Just go to makemusicincome.com slash free. It's totally free. So go and grab yourself something there. All right. So next, we have more news. And again, we have more new stinger. favorite um, and I've decided I'm probably going to have to like take that new stinger and just create a whole queue out of it 
uh, or, or at least upload it as a cue or as a as a little sound effect type of thing to some libraries. Might as well. Oh, by the way, I didn't tell everybody, but uh, before we get to this next news item, we have a, a, a co-host here with us today. Ladies and gentlemen, Billy Blastoff is joining us here on the, uh, he is my uh, co-host today. Uh, long story, but uh, 50 years in the making, uh, finally, on my birthday, after after many years, after after decades, five decades of uh, my disappointment. Talk about disappointment um, about your <laughs> about your different things, but I was very disappointed that I did not get this guy uh, on a Christmas morning many moons ago. Well, my birthday just rolled around, and guess what I got? Somebody got me the entire set. I mean, I've even got all his vehicles, and I've got his moon his the thing that he flies in. So uh, yes, this has nothing to do with that. But uh, just in case we need a word from uh, Billy Blastoff, uh, and and he, you never know when Billy might chime in about things. So all right, let's move on to the actual news that I was talking about, and this particular one is uh, something I heard last week, which could be disturbing or could not be disturbing. You be the judge, but. Pro Tools, or I should say Avid, the company that owns Pro Tools, was sold to a private equity firm. Now, this has been in play for a while, and some people are uh, kind of happy about it. Some people are not. If you are a Pro Tools user, you know the saga of Pro Tools, the the uh, issues of dealing with Pro Tools, Avid can be a uh, interesting company, let's say. Uh, so uh, they, in recent years, adopted a, a subscription model. But, um, and, and, and in that, I think Pro Tools, uh, is, at least in this article, says it has lost popularity with smaller studios and independent musicians. I find this to be true. Most of the students that um, I work with uh, come in already using uh, certainly using something else and not using Pro Tools, but uh, we teach Pro Tools at our school. I know Dave's school, uh, Full Sail, also teaches um, Pro Tools, but depends on who you ask what you think. Uh, this particular Avid itself says STG, who is the company that bought Avid, their expertise in the technology sector and significant financial and strategic resources will help accelerate the, the achievement of our strategic vision. So that's the good news. Uh, there are other people who say, um, and, and there are some people who say odds are Avid Pro Tools will have the resources and further commitment to improve its capabilities. So we will see. Um, there's also people who take the stance that, oh, great, Avid is not being uh, absorbed into some kind of company that might help it actually work better. Um, we'll see. Um, I have been fighting Pro Tools with my students for the past two days as they've been working on a very difficult editing exercise. And so um, we'll see if Pro Tools gets uh, better or worse from this sale. Maybe they'll get more money from this private uh, equity firm, and that will mean that they 
put more into uh, some different things and, and, and continue to develop the program. Personally, I feel it's a little um, outdated and its interface could use some updating. But some people would total, especially longtime engineers, would probably completely rebel against that statement and say, please, no, keep it the way it is. And other people would say it's time for an update from Pro Tools. All right. Well, that is the news. And we are going to get to viewer mail later in the segment. Um, Bradford Knight says, if you're heavy, then your BMI being down is a good thing. Okay. Um, yes, bonus news stinger. There's always two news stingers. If I do two news items, you're going to get two news items. Bradford also says the college where I teach also runs Pro Tools as their DAW. Yeah, I think um, I think that's certainly um, the, the the main DAW we teach. Because to be honest, if you go into any music studio, you are going to find them running uh, Pro Tools at uh, large studios uh, for recording and mixing. Because that is what Pro Tools is for. It is not for beat making. It is not for composing. Although I do know people who use it for that, but they are fools. I'm just kidding. All right, well, let's move on today before I just get myself completely in trouble. And let's get to the reality of, of music licensing. And this is really what I want to get into today. Um, you know, I am involved in music licensing. Um, I think there are two general kinds of music licensing, and I, and I struggle how to, how to, uh, what to call them. I mean, um, we have TV, what I, I think what we call TV film licensing. And yes, I know that video games and advertising too could be put into this. And, and we have a tendency to call these different things. Sync, Dave talks about production music because he's focusing mostly on TV music, uh, music for certain television uses, use productions, uh, production music for that kind of thing. We have people who are also though, and I'm one of them, who are making vocal and instrumental songs, uh, pieces of music that are used that are not made for television. They are made as songs and then used in television and film. And also inside of sync, uh, we have background music, underscore, and trailers. And there's a lot to talk about all in there, but we're not gonna talk about the, that today. We're just gonna talk about the highs and lows and those in that, we'll call it sync area for today. And then there is royalty-free music. You could also refer to this as micro-licensing, smaller licensing. But hey, if I know people on Artlist who would not refer to what they make on Artlist as micro-licensing or stock music, even though theoretically it is stock music, overhead music, there's sheet music and beats and game music. And these are all non-exclusive things. So I kind of just lump them into a non-exclusive thing that is not for TV and film, even though there are plenty of ways to uh, license your music to television that are non-exclusive uh, and uh, do not include giving away your publishing and things like that. We have a video coming up about that very soon. But let me just go ahead and start with my journey um, and from here on, on sync licensing. And, and again, I'm just going to talk about my sync journey first. And because as, I think as, as you hear about my sync journey, you will recognize things in your own. And I'd like your comments as we go here. 
But my journey, uh, you know, it started with hearing about it. I just heard about it on a podcast of all things about six, seven years ago. And I found out that it was a thing. I should have known it was a thing, but I was excited. Um, so that's the first kind of reality for me about this. I was excited that there was another kind of income that I could get involved with with my music other than just producing artists or making songs and putting them out or all of that kind of stuff. And so um, hearing about it was the first kind of high for me. I was excited about that. That was the first reality for me. And uh, slowly I started to change my business model, which was exciting. And I started to produce the music for um, sync licensing, some produced music. At that time, uh, and mainly I was producing songs to pitch to uh, a library that might want songs for television, film, advertising, things like that. And I still do a lot of that, to be honest. The songs I just finished this week were three completely made songs of in a Jimmy Buffett style with vocals. They were purposely made for uh, a library who wanted these songs, but they were definitely songs, not underscore, not uh, production music really in that same sense. So I started producing these songs and that was fun and finally got to realize a bunch of songs that I've had for years and uh, write new songs. And then I began researching the libraries and and then at this point, once you get to this re researching the library point, it gets a little iffy. It gets a little uh, unstable. You're like, will I find a library? Um, will, and if I find one and I send an email to them and tell and show them what I have, will I get signed? Um, and then you begin to wonder if all of this trouble that you've started, gone down this road to make music, to try to get into these libraries, to spend time researching libraries and find libraries or find people that are going to listen to your music, is all that time worth it? And so there gets to be this, this little uncertain time about that. But then I did get signed to a library, and it was a, a library that was tied to BMG, which was good because that means they would get a little bit more seen by music supervisors and people looking for things. And so that was kind of a big high. I mean, I literally signed a music publishing deal, probably one of the top goals of my life since I was a teenager was to sign a music publishing deal. You know, that's the dream, right? Oh, I'm signed with a music publisher. Now I don't have to do anything but sit back and wait for the dollars to roll in. But uh, I, I was very excited about that. Got signed. And then, uh, but then it, it took a long while for albums to get really into the library and then to get out onto the BMG site. And then, then there is that kind of, again, kind of a down, down cycle there. It, was anything going to happen now that they're signed? That's cool. And I'm ex I was excited, but now will anything actually get used in a TV show or something like that? And so I got a couple different more albums in, which was cool, but still nothing had really happened other than I had got them into a library. But then I did get that tune set report. I get got that BMI report back and saw that I was not only getting synchronized, my music was getting synchronized to television shows, but that I got a BMI check and there was actually money coming from a 
license. I mean, that is the big high. That is the, the biggest high that you could have is that there is money coming in. And to me, that was exciting and continues to be exciting, obviously. Um, so now let's get, though, to my present in sync. Here I am now, um, about two years or less from being signed to my first library and now being signed to uh, five, four or five libraries. And now getting to the point where I've got 150 to 200 um, songs up onto songs or cues or whatever you want to call them because uh, they're different. There's, there is specific songs and then there are things that are more cue based and cue based. See what I did there? And now I have those in these libraries and time has slowed down a little bit. And especially I mentioned earlier that my BMI check this time was pretty low. And I've heard this before. I was, I'm prepared for this. I'm preparing you for this now. There are going to be times where uh, the, the BMI check comes in. It's three figures, four figures, five figures I've even heard lately. I'll talk about that in a minute. But um, my current sync licensing experience is a bit of a slowdown, a pause. Now, I am still working on songs. Obviously, I just told you that. And I'm getting them out onto libraries. Good thing. And uh, money is still coming in. Uh, even though the BMI check was small this time, I did see a, uh, a placement in a, in a show uh, on, on uh, the BBC. So stuff like that is cool. And I'm still getting that. I, I looked at TuneSet the other day. There was five or six placements uh, on a show in Germany um, in August alone. So things are happening. Now, personally, I feel one of the things that I am behind in, especially after talking to some people this week, is I just don't have enough in play. I don't have enough out there. This is a game of quality for sure, but it is also a game of quantity. And if you do not have stuff out there, um, you don't have enough songs out there. That is going to be the key, and I do not have enough songs out there. I uh, And now I'm in a place where uh, I don't wonder if it's worth it. I'm not depressed. I'm not down about my current present in sync. But I am dealing with the reality that I don't have enough songs out there, and I've got to really crank out. Now, I'm about to crank out two 10-song albums. And then um, I think, to be honest with you, I think I need to be cranking out an album a week to get where I want to get in the next four to five years. And so uh, this is where a site like 52Qs comes into play uh, where Dave is trying to get people to write 52 songs in a year. And uh, that even would be, um, for me, a, a low number. I, I've been at closer to 100 songs a year as far as cranking out songs. They, they go everywhere, though, all kinds of libraries, not just not just um, sync libraries. But... I, I feel like I need to crank out even more than that. I, I, I really think that I'm going to have to, to start to really crank. And the people who are making the type of income from BMI and the back end that I'm talking about, they don't have a hundred or two songs in these libraries. They have thousands of songs. Yes, I said thousands of songs in these libraries. And so, um, and so le now let's get to my next step. Um, what I think my success future is going to be. And, um, you know, my next step and what I think of as more success for me will be more songs. Um, will I find 
will I be able to get the song quantity I want out there? Do you worry about this kind of thing? Because I do. I, I know it sounds silly, but I, I know I need more songs out there, and I am really, uh, I'm not struggling doing it. I'm, I'm writing every week. I am putting songs out to libraries every week. I'm working with many libraries who are requesting songs from me. That's all good. Uh, I could feel like I could use more libraries, to be honest with you. I could use two or three more of the people that uh, I already have that are asking me for an album at a time. Um, I need more relationships. I need to build personal relationships with, with music supervisors themselves, people who are no-brainers that they are looking for a certain thing, and I can uh, start to maybe get briefs and, and write specific things for briefs that are needed, not a taxi-type brief where it may or may not get heard by the right person, or if it does, it's a cattle call type of thing. I'm talking more about uh, briefs directly from a music supervisor, briefs directly from a library who's got people waiting that uh, the, the, the possible placements aren't just possible, they're probable. And so uh, that kind of thing I need more of. And those are my next things uh, about that. Um, direct syncs, we're going to be talking about that here in a few weeks. Can you Can you approach this, not in the library fashion, but in the direct synced to music supervisors. It seems a little like throwing a dart at a, um, at a mountain for me to, to do that. But I'm going to talk to somebody here very soon, and that is their wheelhouse. And, and they get everything. They keep their publishing, all that kind of stuff. And then uh, my future is continuing into non and this also includes non-exclusive licensing. In other words, I'm not signing things for perpetuity necessarily. I'm not even giving out the publishing. I'm keeping that. And that does come from those direct type of syncs that I was talking about. So will it work? What is going to be the future? But there can be success. Now, what is success? Well, uh, I spoke to someone this week who uh, is, and, and I'm certain there are many other people. And if you are a person who is having the success that I'm talking about, uh, let me know. But I spoke to someone this week who uh, focuses mainly on briefs, has over two has over two thousand songs uh, and and cues and uh, different things out there in music libraries. Works only with music libraries directly with them, and uh, probably only a handful of music libraries like I do. But is focusing daily, no other job, focusing on briefs. And this person who who talked to me, they are going to want to remain completely anonymous, uh, but they're raking in over $50,000 per quarter with BMI. And, and there's also 25 to 50K in upfronts per year. Um, it can be done, and that, that's, not, that's high end, I, I would have to think, if you're making multiple six figures, not just six figures, not just 100K, but 200K plus a year, in this alone, and, and most of that is coming from your BMI, your quarterly checks? Because I, I said something, and I say this all the time, people are, are only getting, how can you survive if you're only getting you know four-figure uh, BMI checks? Even if you're getting $5,000 per quarter, which is amazing, it's only 20 grand a year. So uh, I, I, that's a level of success for sure. I would be over the moon to have that. But um, that would not replace even my highest income. 
that I have. So uh, success can happen. And I think when you're looking at what is success for that side of licensing for for TV and film and ads and, and maybe uh, high-end gaming like EA Sports and things like that, um, if you're placing things there and you are making upfronts and uh, and BMI back end of over six figures, multiple six figures, well, that would be the mega success. Um, and, and again, it's going to depend on you. Maybe you make 50 grand uh, and, and you make uh, 12 grand per BMI check. And, and that alone pays you 50-ish grand a year and that's fine for you. That's That would be success. Maybe for you, like me, it'd just be to get a four-figure BMI check or maybe a three a three-figure BMI check just if you got some of you might just be happy to to see a BMI check I know people who have been with BMI for years and have never gotten a check because they haven't been got enough yet in royalties and so I remember being there as well and that's a hard reality to sit in because you think you uh you, your things aren't going well so Give me your thoughts here if you are watching this and you are in the chat. Tell me where you are. Anybody with sync to the point where they are getting royalties and and, and not wanting to uh, and, and not seeing what they want. Tell me what's happening with you out there as you try to go down this road of getting music to television and film. Anybody in the chat, your responsibility here as my co-host. It's just not Billy Blastoff. And Billy has been awfully quiet too. So I do have to say that uh, he is not necessarily contributing much to this conversation. But if you are sitting in the chat right now, tell me about your experience with BMI. Um, tell me about your experience with whatever PRO you use and whatever incomes you're seeing. Um, are you not that crazy about what is happening? Are you in a time where the reality is that sync licensing seems like a dumb idea? Um, I tell people this all the time. <laughs> I tell people, you know, music, uh, a music living seems like the greatest job on earth. When you tell people you only do music for a living and they go, man, you must be so lucky that you only make music and you make all of your money from music. And then, <laughs> and then you tell them, and then what they don't know though is when the money is not great, and it's bad, in fact, uh, especially if you're doing it for a living, clients don't pay, things happen, then suddenly music seems like the dumbest idea that anyone ever thought of, that you are doing music for a living. So let me know in the chat if you have a thought about that. Would love to share it with everybody. Otherwise, I will move on into uh, my journey in royalty-free. Not seeing much in the chat. Um, if you're here, let me know. Say something. Uh, unless my chat is broken, but I'm not seeing it on either board here. So give me a thumbs up. Give me a heart. Give me something to let you know. Let me know you're out there. Uh, it's lonely here. Just me and Billy blast off uh, sitting here talking about our journey. All right. So let's move on now to uh, my journey in royalty-free. And uh, I'm just going to call it royalty-free for now. Like I said, royalty-free could mean lots of different things, stock, music, all that kind of stuff. But for now, I'm just going to call it royalty-free for today. And uh, yeah, I remember starting um, in 
royalty-free music. Um, you know, my start was um, watching Daniel Carrizales on stock music licensing. My start was um, getting a first $6 sale on 123RF. Um, and um, to be honest, I've probably only made 50 to 100 bucks with that library over two and a half years. So not one of the top libraries, but it was the first actual sale that I had of a uh, stock music turn, um, type of song. And uh, I can't remember what the song was, I don't think. But it was exciting that a, a song, and, and you know what, I didn't even necessarily make that song for stock music. I just kind of made it and I threw it up there and boom, it got a $6 sale. I also heard this week from someone who uh, is a client of mine, and we've been working together to try to get him kind of going in some kind of licensing. And he has been putting things into Pond5. And this week, he just reported that he got his first two Pond5 sales. He's over the moon. Now, that's a, a high. You know, I mean, when you get that first sale, it doesn't matter how much it is. I don't care if it's $5. I don't care if it's $6. Um, you, you, you get... Uh, that and it's just it's just exciting you know you get that first sale and it is fun and no doubt it is awesome uh, answers here Bradford says I am new to the game so I don't feel like I have much to add I teach I perform live I have several projects on DistroKid and Pond5 um, I, and I'm sure that's the case I, I, I know a lot of you here watching are new to this um, Willie says just t listening and taking notes great um, Oliver says, I started watching Daniel Carrizales as well on stock music licensing. Daniel will be a guest here, finally, very soon. So uh, I don't know when that one falls. I think either next week or week after that, but he will be here. But my journey was that uh, it took a while to get going, but then I got into Motion Array about my third month in stock music licensing. And at that time, in the good old days, uh, I started immediately selling. I knew when I, they said, okay, you're signed up and put more music in and two, I'd made $2 that day. And the next day I made $5. And the next day I made $6. And it just kept adding up and adding up. It was the old, good old days of Motion Array and how it used to work. I had That was a lot of highs during that time. Pond5 wasn't doing much. Audio Jungle would do a little bit of this. I, was, I had been with Song Trader for a long time. And uh, so, um, you know, it was, it was something that um, I had had some some luck with, and still actually make a lot of money from Song Trader, which is not a stock music library at all. It's more of a licensing site, but and they also have a lot of monetization type of royalty free options that you can get into, and some aren't some aren't uh, some are exclusive, some are non exclusive, but it's mostly non exclusive. So I include it on this side of the licensing side of things. Um, but yeah, when I get those, I'll get another check probably from Song Trader towards the end of the year and it'll be a, you know, a three figure check and, uh, that will be great. Um, and I'll, that will be a big high. Um, I've had some bigger months on Pond5 of all places this month, this year. Um, oh, and I also do need to report, speaking of big highs with Pond5, that I told you a few weeks ago, I was going to change everything for $5 because last month I had zero sales with everything up around 50 bucks. This month, after changing everything to five dollars, five sales so far. I'm telling you, it's a it's a penny market over there. And uh, but um, there is a backside of that. I'll talk about that in a minute. Uh, Lucas says, 
Yesterday, Music Revolution sent me the July report and I earned $62 between songs sold with, as a subscription and another sold as a single. That is good news to hear, Luca, because I have just joined them and uh, I am getting ready to just back up the uh, the old song dump truck and uh, uh, really put everything in. They've accepted everything I've put in so far, so I'm going to uh, put in all of my stuff. Now, I am admittedly a fringe uh, music producer. I produce on the fringes. I don't produce corporate music all that much. I don't produce the happy, snappy, clappy uh, stuff that seems to do well or the pop stuff that, like my friend Stevie B does. So I don't, I mean, sometimes I do, but mostly I'm doing everything from hymns to public domain stuff to patriotic stuff to uh, all sorts of other jazz and classical and, and just st solo piano, stuff that is very artistic. And so that's no way to approach this, by the way, but it's the way I approach it. And so good to hear that Music Revolution is paying off. I've heard this from not just you. There's uh, other people in our Discord who talk that Music Revolution is paying off for them, uh, especially as they put all of their library into that. So that's good to know. Um, and so that, that kind of leads me into my present with, um, still no, uh, into my present with this, um, my present in royalty-free stuff and stock music licensing and song trader and beats and sheet music and everything like that. Um, uh, I'll probably just stay right where I am, just keep doing that. Listen, if we're being honest, and uh, Billy Blastoff just reminded me, uh, if we are being honest about this, uh, I've made $10,000 or so in all of this non-exclusive licensing over the past two and a half years, which is about $9,000 more than I've made with sync licensing, <laughs> just FYI. Now, I expect that to totally turn around once I get enough stuff out there. Um, I've seen that different people have different amounts, and I know that they have different successes. But the people who definitely say they are making six figures with sync licensing have thousands of tracks out, not hundreds. And um, so, but in the royalty-free area, area here, where I'm doing all sorts of things, including putting sheet music out and stuff, there's no reason. As a matter of fact, I want to do more of that. Um, and there certainly is right now in the present some trepidation about AI, but I don't worry about that too much because I will continue to put out my stuff and AI can do whatever it needs to do. Um, content ID is something that has really changed the game for me with this whole royalty-free side of things because instead of worrying that I'm not getting $50 from a Pond5 sale or an Audio Jungle sale, but I'm only getting a few bucks to 10 bucks per sale, but I am seeing that made up on the content ID side. There will be $200 months on content ID. Um, it's kind of similar to the strategy that people like Dave use in production music or people who do mostly work with libraries where there's not always a lot of syncs up front. Maybe there's none. Uh, it's mostly in the back end. And I think that's where we're getting to be with stock music, royalty-free music, micro-licensing, is that the music is being put into these libraries, these, these, these let's say, call them stock libraries if you want to. And then, but we also have them uh, a back end, just like we do with our PRO, um, 
with uh, stuff that's on television and radio and different stuff. We have a back end in Content ID, and in, in I, I use Identify, so that is the My Content ID um, collector. And with that Content ID, I am seeing back end from the front end, which is not very good, but the back end is more. So that seems to be the kind of um, way to go right now with this. Yeah, it, uh, Motion Array is only paying 50 cents per, if you're lucky, 30 to 50 cents per uh, per download because they're a subscription library. But if I can get five, three to 500 downloads per month from Motion Array, that increases exponentially how much content ID income I could make. I hope you get my meaning there. I think content ID really is the answer here. And if you're not putting your stuff into a company like Identify where it costs you nothing to sign up with them and they take 30% out and you get 70%, it's uh, found money, folks. If you have your music on any of these these royalty-free libraries uh, and these any of these sites that are using it, but especially those places that might put it in a YouTube video and you want to get collections from people who are not monetizing those videos. I'm telling you, I'm seeing it happen. Stevie is seeing it happen. People who are using Content ID, if you're if you're seeing Content ID, we see it all the time in our, our Discord. And by the way, if you don't know about our Discord, make sure you go down and sign up for our Discord. You want to learn all about this stuff. You want to hear the reports of how people are making music income. It's all there in all the different categories we have, publishing and sync and stock and all the things we talk about in there. You need to be in there and listening to what people are having experiences with. And you'll experience the highs and the lows and all the realities of licensing in our Discord. So you need to go check it out. So um, so the big question is, what will be my future in royalty-free? And like I said, I see no reason to stay with it, uh, to, to not stay with it. I mean, I'm not going to jerk the stuff out of there if it's continuing to make me three or four grand a year. So why not? The question probably more is, Uh, will I write specifically for royalty-free libraries? Will I work focused on new material for them? And um, I I don't necessarily sit down. I mean, if a library asks me for something or if they give me a brief and they want me to really focus on that, then I will. But if I am just messing around making music a lot of especially if it's my personal music i'm going to put that stuff in these these non-exclusive royalty-free libraries and and different places like song trader and sheet music and other places maybe even beats and other play i've got a lot of piano music maybe to put into game libraries and i'm going to keep doing that um it's got to go somewhere and, and a lot of that and most of that does not fit in the music for television and film and advertising so it's got to go somewhere and why not go ahead and put that in the royalty-free library? So that is something I will definitely be continuing. There's no reason for me to stop doing that. You know, a lot of people say, "Oh, I'm just gonna, I'm not making enough money, so I'm gonna pull all my stuff out of libraries." And to me, I, I say that's just kind of dumb. And so I, I won't be certainly doing that, but um, certainly will kind of continue. I see no reason not to continue. The other big question about my future with royalty-free libraries is will I focus more on trying to get into things like Artlist, um, the Artlist Originals um, 
program where they, they give you briefs to write to and things like that. Uh, this is where we get into a very middle ground between the two. Art list is technically stock music. It's technically royalty free. It's technically non-exclusive. Yet, um, if you watch Stevie B's newest video, you'll see a report by him where he is getting sync payments from his PRO, 800 bucks in a sync payment from a, a song that was used from his art list uh, collection uh, that was put on art list that he put on his art list site. And uh, that's a that's technically a stock library, folks. It's a non-exclusive stock library, and someone used it in a show, and he made a rather large sync off of that sync payment. So, art list and these mid tiers, like Music Vine and other places, uh, is that a place I will go? I don't know. It doesn't seem like it's my path because they are a little bit more artist focused, and many of us, especially those of you probably watching now are not necessarily artist-focused. Maybe you are. I think we all think of ourselves as artists, as composers, as songwriters, and we have an artistic side. We're not just doing this for the money. And if you are, <laughs> there's better things to do than this. But uh, it could be a way I go. So there are so many seasons in this. Uh, there are so many seasons in any of these, um, any of these things. There's so many things that can happen. It's like anything. If you are just thinking about it, it could be exciting, but you could be worried that um, this may or may not work. If you have just started, it may seem like a long road down to make any money from any kind of music licensing. If you are trying to find a library, that, that can be a daunting task and you don't know how to do it. And you have to search and find it like the rest of us did, you, there's, or luck into it like the rest of us did. It's it, there's not a there's not a magic library fairy that just is going to deem you worthy of getting in a library. Um, if you're just waiting for that first sync once you're in a library, that is something that can that can really uh, you know be be something that puts you in a spot where you feel like you're stuck. If you are waiting for money. After getting a sync and you know you got that sync and you're waiting to get paid, that can be a thing. If you're waiting for bigger checks, that's where I am. It can be a little bit, uh, not disturbing, but it can be a little bit, it's easy to get impatient during that time. And so um, if you are doing well financially, you wanna keep doing well financially. So, uh, and if you are burned out on it and you wanna do something else, I just heard Jesse uh, talk about this from Make My Music. Uh, Jesse talked about the fact that he um, he ha went through a time after creating for 13 years that he just didn't want to create the stuff. He got burned out on it, and he wanted to do something else. And so that's why he really ramped up his his YouTube channel. And he's recently getting back into some writing. And he says he may still burn out again and and may not want to do it. So. It doesn't matter where you are on this journey. There's just going to be a lot of um, a lot of seasons, and there's going to be ups and there's going to be downs, and you just have to ride all of that out, just like I have, just like anybody has, like everybody that you watch online. We are all riding this stream together. We are all trying to figure out what to do together. So now let's uh, let me take a uh, let me answer a few questions here. Uh, Linda said that Music Vine won't take work from composers that submit to subscription libraries. 
Interesting. So, Linda, do you mean that Music Vine won't take work from people who su submit to like Pond 5 or Motion Array? Is that what you're talking about? Um, let's see. Uh, Bradford says, is it too early to write and stream holiday songs? Um, it's too... No, it's as a matter of fact, it's late. Uh, if you are trying to get songs placed in uh, Christmas shows, however, there's a caveat to that. Usually, August, uh, I'm actually working on a, a, a Christmas album right now for a library. I got to finish it soon. I'm about halfway done with it, so who knows how fast he may just want what I've got done so he can start pitching it. But big caveat: there is a strike going on. In Hollywood, obviously, you may know about this. And so that strike may end up changing the timelines. And there might be people scurrying around in a few months looking for Christmas songs because no one is working on editing right now. No one is scripting things right now. No one is filming right now. So the edits aren't happening either right now. So people may not be looking for Christmas music yet because of this strike everything might get pushed back a little bit and the all the Hallmark shows might be have to you, you're going to see a lot of repeats of Hallmark Christmas movies that aren't already filmed and edited and uh, there might be a chance that you could uh, get some holiday music in uh, but I would be doing it from now till Christmas I'll just say that um, but I, I, I would I would just be especially for the Pond Fives for the Motion Arrays, all that kind of stuff. I need to really jump on Christmas for them. And that's, you know, uh, public domain things and holiday music. Those are always needed at the holidays. And I always seem to do pretty well in November and December because of that. So um, put out new stuff, time it correctly so that your Motion Array stuff uh, really hits around on the first of a month. And in November and December, your holiday music could be doing well. Um, but yeah, I think it's 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 time to be doing it. I, I feel like I'm behind the gun in August trying to get Christmas music out. But the strike may have something to do with that. All right. Um, unless there's any more questions here, I do want to get to a piece of your mail. And this has to do with my video that I just put out about neighboring rights. I got a very interesting a comment because I thought this was an interesting response to my uh, latest video, but I thought this was a really interesting response to the video. And I really appreciate this email that I got. And it's from uh, Bernd Voss. He said, Dear Eric, thank you for your podcast channel. And he said, uh, and all the stuff you put on the internet, you're welcome. He says, I have just watched your Neighboring Rights video and didn't want to comment on the video, um, but Neighboring Rights for us European musicians, and he is in Europe, he goes, they are as easy to manage as performing and rights uh, because we have always had them. In other words, they've always had Neighboring Rights since 1961 in, in Europe. Only the countries like the United States who decided to jump out of the um, Rome Convention do not pay neighboring rights. So he says he, <clears throat> excuse me, he is a member of GVL and AIE in Spain. These are CMOs, I would take it, and they uh, work in both countries. And so you can uh, register directly with them. So he said, there is no reason to make this more complicated. We're registering with someone like NRG, which is what I was suggesting in the video and who I talked to in the video. I thought that was interesting. And he says, um, you don't have to be member a member of more than one CMO. 
because they have contacts of uh, reciprocity between them. Like BMI and ASCAP uh, and the PRO and and PRS and GEMA and so on. Uh, As a member of one CMO, they can collect for you from other countries in the world. There's no conflict with BMI. And so usually we are just members of the PRO and neighboring rights society in our country like GEMA, GVL in Germany or PRS, PPL in Great Britain. And so then you can see and get your neighboring rights from them. So we don't have a CMO here in the States. Actually, we do kind of. It's called Sound Exchange, but they mostly only collect non-interactive streaming rights. And so um, this might be an idea for me, and I'm just going to zoom in, uh, GEMA and GVL in Germany would might be the first place that I go look at mainly because I am getting a lot of radio uh, a lot of television uh, play in Germany and uh, I or at least that's what I say on my tune set and I've, I've I have gotten royalties on my BMI statement from there so this is a little caveat to my neighboring rights video that I just did uh, about this and the fact that we can get uh, on these Um, CMOs and not have to sign up for a place like NRG. And in fact, if that's the case, if I'm understanding this correctly, um, we can get the full payment from GMA, uh, from GEMA or GVL in Germany from both the neighboring rights and uh, and other things. Uh, So again, I'll do more investigation about this, but I really appreciate uh, the comments here, Bernd. I I really, um, that helps uh, and, and, and it's good to know. Uh, I wouldn't mind at all if you put that in the comments of the Neighboring Rights video, just because um, I think it's important that people know. Uh, and Chris, even who was with NRG, who is a Neighboring Rights collector of royalties, he uh, of, of, of Neighboring Rights royalties, he did say you could literally go to each one of the, the CMOs and register. But I think what Bernard is saying here is that if you register with GVL, they will collect for, from all the other CMOs, the surrounding CMOs as well, similar to the way BMI collects from around the world for performing rights. So something uh, really good to know. Yes, a very good point from Bern and uh, something that you may not have to sign up and give up any percentage. Uh, now, does NRG focus, and I mentioned this in my video, just like Identify focuses only on content ID versus your distributor like DistroKid, which says they're going to go collect that stuff for you, but they do a thousand other things, especially distribution. And they kind of add on doing, uh, collecting things for you from other other things, including content ID. I don't like to do it that way. I, I just like to, um, I like to have one person focusing on things. So. Uh, the the question still is, and the conversations will still be with me and NRG. It, is it true that I could just sign up with GVL and they will collect CMOs money, neighboring rights money, in the same way that NRG would? So that's a question to ask. All right, folks. Well, that is going to do it for viewer mail, and I think that is going to do it for this week's podcast. Thanks so much for everybody who has been part of this thing. Bradford, thanks for being here. Luca, thanks for being here and part of the show today. Zombie Harambi, Oliver Garcia, thanks for being here. Signature Music, Iso, Ronan, thanks so much for being here. Dave Croft, thanks for stopping by today, my friend. Arco, good to see you and and wish you well in your continuing efforts to prepare to get to the uh, UK. Linda, 
good to have you in the house today. Uh, Willie, thanks for being here. Uh, everybody else who has uh, been in the house today, thank you so much. Really glad to have everybody in the house today and, and just supporting the, the podcast and the channel. Uh, it's been a lot of information we've shared today, so you might need a re-listen. But uh, Luke, thanks so much. We'll see you next week. And uh, we're going to be talking about more fun stuff. And I've got some great one-off videos coming over the next few weeks, as long as I get them edited. Because as I told you, uh, songs are job one for me. Teaching is job two. And this channel is part of that teaching. So we'll get to as much as I can get to, folks. But love to hang out with you guys on Fridays. And thanks so much for being here. And we will see all of you soon. And I hope you have a great weekend. And we'll talk to you next time. Thanks for watching. See you later.